Welcome to the Brand Builders Love Podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, creator of Brand Builders Academy and the Amplify Accelerator. Right here on this podcast, we'll inspire you to become a bold and powerful voice in the world and claim your space with confidence. You can be bold and go against the grain to become the creative rebel you want to be. Forget average, it's time to level up. Hey friend, hey, how are you? Welcome back to another week. I hope that you are amazing and fantabulous and all things just, you know, wonderful. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here and we have got such a good episode for you today. I love the title as well, how to create a message that hits your audience in the feels, people in the feels. And I have got one of my lovely, lovely clients, Kate Merriweather. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She actually came to our speaker Uh, our speaker and thought leaders retreat a little while ago and it was so good to spend time with her and I just think she's a little bit of a word word wizard and so Kate is a red-headed LinkedIn coach who believes that LinkedIn can be a money-making powerhouse if you have the right strategy she creates custom LinkedIn strategies to help her clients effortlessly attract inbound leads with 0% hustle by sharing bold content that turns fans into followers and followers into buyers. Can you tell? She used to be a copywriter and obviously uses those skills today to help her clients. And I loved this chat, like it was super fun. So I think you're going to really enjoy it. But also the topic that we're talking about, because this was something she said she sees all the time that people are struggling with. And so we wanted to talk about it on the podcast is how to create a message and the content that really does hit your audience in the feels. And she's going to give you three awesome questions that you can start asking yourself and your clients to create content that makes your clients go, oh my gosh, are you talking to me? And so you definitely want to be listening in on this episode. So I am super excited to have her on. I love this chat. Just a reminder as well that obviously we've got Magnetic Mastery coming up. Kate is coming along to that and the Bold Christmas Party uh, on the 23rd of November. So make sure you head to suzechadwick.com forward slash MM for Magnetic Mastery. Spend the day on you, yourself, your business, really understand what makes you magically magnetic. And we are going to be working on creating that bold message that you want to take to the world in 2023 and learning to trust yourself to make those bold decisions in your business as well. So make sure you grab your tickets, come along, come boogie with us in the evening, celebrate the year that was. Can't wait. Are you going to be there? Are you going to be there? Don't wait, get in, grab your ticket, get out from behind the desk. Let's do this. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Kate, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's a bit (laughs) of a goal, Suze. I've been listening to this podcast for a long time. I love that. One day I'm going to be on this podcast. So... And here you are. I did it. (laughs) (laughs) So you you need to actually release it because it'd be awkward if you like, yeah, I did it. And then, oh, no, didn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that makes me laugh so much. Of course we'll release (laughs) it. Of course, of course. 
Uh, so, Kate, for my audience who don't know you, who are you? Oh, it's the Kate Show. So I am a LinkedIn coach. I help people grow their business with LinkedIn. And before that, I was a copywriter. So I've spent a lot of years crafting messages for my clients and myself. And I really want to encourage more women to just get more visible. So LinkedIn is fine, but I think we all have like a bigger goal. And that's my goal, particularly women my age who maybe feel like they need to be invisible or feel a bit self-conscious. I'd love to see those women show up. Is that 25K? Oh, yes. (laughs) I love it. Women my age. Women my age. What what box are we ticking? I'm 46, but I do sometimes lie and say I'm older. You lie and say you're older? Yeah, because then everyone's like, wow, you look great for 55. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say they lie and that they're older. I've been doing that for years. I love it. That's hilarious. And that's the quirkiness that I love about you. <laughs> that's so good. So why LinkedIn? Uh, like why did you make the switch? So you were doing copy yes. and then you decided and then you wanted to be a LinkedIn coach. And I have to yes. say you are probably the one person that is just like prolific with your videos on LinkedIn. Yes. You're so consistent yes. and I see them all the time. What made you, I've got a couple of questions for you. What yes. made you shift from just copywriting to LinkedIn, number one? Mm-hmm. I had been a copywriter for 10 years and I was just ready for something new. And and I think maybe you said this, Suze, but I picked up in my brain, it's better to exchange your opinion for money than your time. And with copywriting, I was spending a lot of time writing content up in the hours. And if something took me longer than I expected because I wasn't feeling that creative flow that day, then I didn't necessarily, you know, the fee was the fee and it was just more time. So I was really exchanging time for money. Yeah. And I think after 10 years, I felt like I'd achieved a lot and I was just ready to do something new. And I was already using LinkedIn to promote myself as a copywriter and being very successful. And I was getting all of my leads on LinkedIn and everyone just kept asking me about how I'm using LinkedIn. How, how do you do videos? How do you, how do you manage to get so visible on LinkedIn? How did you grow your audience? And then I just had this moment like, oh, I think I can, <laughs> I think I can help people with this. <laughs> It took me a bit of a while to work it out and I tried a few other things which didn't quite land. But once I had that moment of, oh, I think I can can help people with LinkedIn then. And that was only a few months ago. It was only in June that I took that plunge. Yeah, but I love that. I love that you listened to your audience and you became really good at doing something, even though that wasn't what you were helping others to do. And then it just was a natural progression to do that as well. And I think just following your intuition and listening to your audience and also just kind of feeling like you were over that and ready for something new, that just seemed like such an obvious thing because I have to say that when I think of LinkedIn, I do think of you. Oh, that's lovely. (laughs) And, you know, I was interviewing a career coach and she, I was writing a blog for her and she said people change their career on average every seven years and i I took that as a sign and saying, well, I'm overdue because I had been 90s at that time. And that to me was like, you've been doing this for too long, do something new. I don't know. That is not what she meant at all when she said it, but that's how I took it. And then I just had a bit of a fire, find something else to do because 
I just stopped loving it. And that's not a good place to be for your clients. Mm. I don't want to write content for clients and I'm not enjoying and they deserve better. And there's lots of better copywriters out there that can, you know, take on my ex-clients. Yeah. And I gave all my clients away. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so good. And I also think like even, you know, the change your career, I think just evolve. Like even for me, I'm currently doing my life coaching certification and I'm still a business coach, but I'm just like the evolution of who you are and, you know, learning new skills and doing new things. I just think, I don't think that we can stay stagnant for too long. I just don't think that's how we are. And if, and if, we are then you know when I think about people that have been in their careers forever and done exactly the same thing that's not what lights them up anyway like there's maybe like that's just their that's what they do absolutely it's not what they enjoy but I think for a lot of us what we do is what we enjoy and so we always want to kind of be making that better as well absolutely so new adventures await Love it. So, so good. And so today we are going to be talking about how to create a message that hits your audience in the feels, which I love. And so why are we talking about this, Kate? Why do you think this is important for us to think about and know? I see this mistake a lot. I see people putting out content that doesn't hit their audience in the feels. In the feels. So I feel it's a very common mistake. And when I work with my clients, I I see they they often say, "Oh, I'm doing all the things, but it's not working." And this is the missing piece of the puzzle that they haven't looked at. They're making assumptions about how their audience feels, or potentially getting it wrong, or they haven't thought about it at all. And so they're putting a lot of content out, thinking that they're doing all the right things, but the messaging doesn't land. And that's the difference between success on any platform, not just LinkedIn. Anyway, in any way that you're showing up in business, if your messaging is right, the rest becomes much easier. And so when a message hits your audience in the feels, what happens? Well, they start to trust you. I want to think about what do you want the audience to think or say to themselves when they read your content? You want to ask them a question and they go, yes, yes, that's me. Or think, you know, are you struggling with this problem? And they think that's me. And then once they think those things and have those feelings and have that emotional connection, then they trust. They think this person gets me. This person is speaking to me. Uh, I had someone message me on Facebook saying, oh, what you wrote, were you bugging my house? Because I was saying this the other day. So you want them to have that reaction to think, wow, this person really understands what I'm going through and the emotions that I'm feeling. And then once they think that, then they, they're going to start following you and seeing what else you have to say and then you can nurture them. You can get them on your list. You can ask them to keep following you and then hopefully eventually they'll buy from you because you've established that trust. Yeah, I love that and I do. I love it when, uh, when I, you know, a podcast comes out or something and somebody's like, once again, reading my mind. Like, were you, were you in my brain? And I think that's such a great, great way for your audience to feel and I feel like that sometimes, like when I listen to a podcast, I'm like, oh my God, I so wanted to know that. Like mm. I've been thinking about that. And so the question is, how do we do it? So there's three questions I like to sit myself down and put myself in the mind of my audience or help my clients or go through this with them. And the first one is I want to, so a goal. What do they want? 
And quite often when I speak to my clients, they might say, oh, they want this, this and this. And I'll say, how do you know they want that? And they haven't really done the work to ask. So, I mean, I have my clients say, I want to make money on LinkedIn. I want to get leads on LinkedIn. Um, and then and they might say, but I don't think my audience is on LinkedIn. And I'll say, well, do you know? How do you know? So it's important to ask your audience the questions. Like do some market research and ask them what their goals are. And I feel like the word market research or the phrase scares people. Yeah. Just like, what does that, that sounds very big and it sounds very formal, Mm. but what, how can we interpret that in like layman's terms? Yes. So what what do they do? Yeah. There's obviously you can go through the big formal road. Like you can create a survey and send everyone questions, but I think a bit of social stalking is actually really helpful. Um, And I saw someone put a question up about how does people feel about LinkedIn? And then I read all the comments and I was like, here's all my content for next week because people are saying, I I don't like it. I feel scared of it. I think it's lame. I hate it. I can touch base on all those feelings in my content. Um, So using some social stalking is fantastic too. And the other important thing is to use the language that, that they use. So if they say, I hate it, don't say despise, say hate. Like use the language that your audience is using in your messaging. People tend to maybe make it more sophisticated or change it around a bit, but I think it's really important, even word for word, the the way that they talk is the way that you should talk. Yeah, a bit of verbatim is always good. Um, So just coming back to the social stalking, so who are you socially stalking? I just jump in Facebook groups mostly. And I'm in, I'm stalking people to see how they feel about LinkedIn. So your area of expertise, you could jump in and set, you know, goals or whatever it might be. So you whatever search you the do. group? Yeah, I search the group by topic. And the other thing you could do is you can ask yourself, mm-hmm. ask them, hey, how do you feel about X? How do you feel about whatever it might be? And people will come back with really interesting comments that maybe aren't quite what you imagine people feel because there's a process where when once your paying customer comes to you, they're in a different mindset to someone who's your pre-customer who's still struggling with all this stuff and not ready to buy. So they're the ones that you talk to. So if you're getting all your goals, fears and problems from your paying clients, that's slightly different from when they're pre-customer stage where they're just thinking about it. Love it. So that's where your social stalking can come in. But I think I only mentioned one question, but I've got two others. You've got your goals that I want to and your fears. So I'm afraid. So people might say, I'm afraid of showing up. I'm afraid of making video. I'm afraid of looking silly, things like that. So you can talk to that fear because fear drives a lot of decision making. If you understand your audience's fears and you can hopefully build up their confidence to help them address some of those fears, then they will really trust you. Mm. So thinking about that, I'm afraid and finishing the sentence for your audience. Can I just ask a question? Can I go back a second and just ask a question? When you were talking about the way that your customer talks about the problem is different to the way that somebody who has not yet bought talks about the problem, What's the difference? Well, I think once they've made that purchasing decision, they're your customer and you usually get a lot of insights from them. 
But you kind of want to rewind back to when they're, if you're wanting to attract new customers into your world, what were they thinking before they bought? Sometimes it's a little bit different. They haven't got that trust yet. They haven't got those fears yet. So maybe just thinking about the process that goes from maybe discovering you to buying from you and maybe they'll think, oh, yeah, I never thought about that. Like people say to me, oh, I never thought about LinkedIn until you started crapping on about it. And then so my content needs to encourage people to think about LinkedIn in a different way. The people who then buy are like, yes, I'm on board. You've persuaded me. I get it now. So they're in a different stage of the buying journey. So just, I just be careful of just surveying your paying customers to get the answers to these questions, because it's the customers who haven't yet bought that have a slightly different perspective sometimes. And so you want to include them in your research as well. Yeah. I love that. And it's kind of that problem unaware, problem aware, solution aware, solution unaware. Mm. And so just for my audience who may not know that framework as a copywriter, can you just quickly give us a little bit on that one? Because I think that's, I think it's a really good framework, actually, just yeah. to start to like to prompt you to think about if somebody has no idea what the problem is, what are the, what's the pain that they're feeling? And so those, those different yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. So usually like you don't know that you have a problem is the start. And then, so then your education content might be around, hey, this is a problem. You know, you need to make them aware. Or then the next stage is you do know that you have a problem, but you don't know what to do about it. So mm-hmm. you have, you understand that you have a, you have an issue. Maybe say, I always use the fitness analogy. So the first one is you don't know that you're not fit and then you hurt yourself and then your physio tells you your neck is really weak. And then you're like, oh no, I need to get a stronger neck. So then you might be like, well, how, then you have a lack of solution awareness. So you know, you've got the problem, but you don't know what the solution is. So then you might be shopping around for physios or fitness or neck massages or all sorts of things, not knowing what your solution is. And then you become solution aware, which is I know I have a problem and I know what the solution is as well. So any copywriting strategy will take the audience through that to educate them, point them towards taking an action, potentially buying, hopefully, if you're a good copywriter. I love it. So good. That's so good. I love that. And so coming back to I'm afraid of. Yes. And so how else can we understand what their fears are? I think it's a bit more difficult because people can be a bit cagey about their fears. So I think social stalking is still good there. But, you know, when you see on Facebook people go, what's your challenge? And they want people to answer, like, that's really private. So it can be a bit difficult. If you just so how go, could you frame Hey, it? everyone, tell me your problems. <laughs> just lay it all out on the table. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't. So I think that does take a bit of ingenuity. And I Is think- it more a listening thing? Like sometimes yeah. I think like people may not write it down. But when I listen to people speak, whether it's, you know, whether it's clients Mm. or whether it's people at events or whatever it is, it's just kind of listening for some of that stuff. Like I think with that, give people options. So you would say what what most bothers you about X, X, Y, Z, and give them, you know, say five and then see what they choose rather than saying what's your biggest fear. Yeah. 
because that open-ended question is challenging for people to answer. And just be careful when you're asking people. Yeah. I had one woman in my DMs going, what's your biggest challenge in your business? And I was like, I don't know you. I don't want to <laughs> tell you. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> yeah, there has to be a bit of trust there as well. Yeah. And I think if you're good at what you do, you should have a good instinct anyway as to what, you know, like I know what people say to me and what they struggle with and go, I just can't be consistent. That's a big thing that people struggle with. So I talk about that a lot and how they can solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll go on to the third question is, but how do you record all of this? Where is all of this in your, like, how do you track it? I just have a little spreadsheet and I have all that I want to and I'll list maybe 10 or I'm afraid maybe 10 or so or as many as you can get. And every quarter or so I'll update them because things change. Yeah. Particularly in my space, like, um, LinkedIn is releasing all these new things. So um, I need to, you know, people might have a new problem is they don't know whether they should uh, have a new newsletter on LinkedIn. Short answer, no, don't worry. Um, so your the goals and problems might change as the industry changes or things like that, or it might be fairly static, but you'll know, you'll know. I think most clients can answer this well. If they're good at what they do, they have a good instinct However, sometimes they get it wrong, which is why it's important to just question, why do you think that? Like, can you prove it? Like I had one guy say to me, my audience isn't on LinkedIn. I'm like, how do you know? You're just guessing? That's that's where it can get dangerous. Mm, and making all of those assumptions as well. And so how would he test that? Is he asking his audience? Is he using LinkedIn and seeing mm, the response? Mm. Like. Well, even on LinkedIn, you can just go, if you say your audience is chiropractors, you can jump on and see how many are there, how many people with the job title are on there. Um, lots is usually the answer. Some of them may or may not be active, which is another thing. But I think it's important to just always ask. You can also, I see a lot of people doing it in their newsletters, which is really great. It's a good way to tag people as well. Like you can say, are you this or are you that? And people will respond, just click a button, and you can find out quite easily if you have a newsletter audience, it's a good thing to do to just use that audience. They're an engaged audience. Ask them some questions every so often. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I've shared before, like I like to do like a three, I like to ask three questions every now and again and just get people to share what it is that they, mm. what's going on with them. And I find that I do find that email surveys or questions in emails work because it's private. Exactly. Because they're just letting, if they want to, they're just Mm. letting you know. I'm well keen on surveys. I love to do them. I always fill out surveys because I'm interested in what people are asking. Yeah. Yeah. Because I used to work in PR and we used to do surveys all the time Mm. to get media out of it. So that's the other thing you can do do if you do a survey. You can release it, release the results. Mm. And I also think don't assume that your audience don't want to answer a survey. I had a client that was like, who wants to answer a survey? I'm like, I get responses. Well, Kate for one, (laughs) but I get responses all the time. And then she did it and she got loads of responses. And I'm just like, don't assume. Like, I just think there's a couple of things that are true. People love to talk about themselves and Mm. people love to give their opinions. And Mm. surveys allow them to do both those things. (laughs) So I think that so if true. there's if there's trust there, 
then mm. I think that, you know, your audience is always more than happy to share what's going on with them. If yeah. you signed up for, you know, your emails and that, there's obviously a relationship there. So why not give it a go if you've not done it already? Yeah. And you can always incentivize them. You can say everyone who fills out the survey can win a, an hour of your time or a prize or something like that. Well, I just did um, if you if you fill out the survey and you left your email address, mm-hmm. then I just did like a live one hour talking through the feedback and what people were dealing with and some ideas to get them like unstuck from some of the problems that we were seeing. And we also filtered it by like, is this your side hustle? Are you one to three years in business? Are you like three years plus? Um, and went through it like that. And I, yeah, I, the feedback on that was great. And I think it's just re-engaging your audience again as well. Plus getting all of this great information. Fantastic. Yeah. So good. What's the third question? So the third question is around a problem. So I don't know how. So what do they not know how to do? Um, so they're problem aware, but they do. So in your case, Suze, you might say, but I want to move forward. I want to take my business to the next level, but I don't know how to step up or something mm. like that. So if they, if you see that phrase step up, then you can use that time to step up. You know, you use that phrase. Like, um, when I did my survey, someone said, oh, I really need like a roadmap. And I was like, oh, I can start, I can start talking about a roadmap or um, and my husband said, oh, that's a very corporate term. But they give you this, these phrases that are so powerful for you to use. And that's where you can then get it back to hitting them in the fields. If you say, do you not know how to step up or show up or whatever those terms are, then that's when they connect with you. Whereas if you're saying, are you struggling to facilitate outcomes? That's <laughs> not going to, it's not going to no, get them. And then they tap out. Anything. Like I had a client who was a coach working with women and she was talking about women who were feeling rage and she was using this quite strong language. And I said, that's, that's a term that I don't resonate with as a parent that I'm, that I'm feeling rage. Maybe either I'm not the right person you want to work with or, and I just encouraged her to really think about that term rage and whether that was right for her. And she went back and did some research and just up, did some listening. And she realized that people were tapping out because she was talking about rage and they didn't identify with rage, but they felt like losing their temper, snapping at their kids. So she was able to modify her language and then her audience was more connected with what she was saying because as soon as she talked about, you know, do you feel uncontrollable rage? They didn't identify with that at all. And they would say, no, no, I don't. So then they tap out. So that's. Frustration, annoyance. Yeah. 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 But do you ever snap at your kids? Hell yeah. You know, (laughs) I do. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. And so I've got a question for you on that because I think sometimes I find it really interesting that certain phrases and words become very popular, but a lot of times, not a lot of times, but sometimes they feel generic. So one of the things that I don't, I'm not, I don't love is like take your power back or even <laughs> things like like step up or, mm. and I feel like I have used it in the past, mm. but it it kind of is something that people might use, but from a copy perspective and from a messaging perspective, it's so common in the market mm. 
that it almost loses any kind of differentiation, authenticity, uniqueness, because it's so common. Mm. So how do you kind of, you know, use your client's language, but make sure it's not what everybody else is using too? It's really important that you bring that up because it is a common problem. And it's just about, that's where a copywriter can be great to just massage a message into a different way so a lot of coaches talk about being stuck Mm. and everyone's talking about getting unstuck um, or like dealing with blocks or limiting beliefs and if everyone's talking about it then it might be accurate but it's not going to help you stand out Mm. Um, and that feeling stuck is just a bit too vague But isn't that interesting because that's the language that a lot of clients use. Like a lot of my audience use that where they're just like, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do now. Like I'm not sure what the next step is. Mm. And Mm. so that's what I mean between the balance of listening but but phrases becoming common and people adopting language Mm. that they feel reflects where they are. But like you said, it kind of loses its impact when everybody's using the same terms yes yes so I think you just need to pick another term that means the same thing but also I think there's a great opportunity to own own a phrase that people associate with you like I talk about FOSU if you're showing up um and I just everyone's talking about showing up but I turn it into FOSU because that's a little bit more unique to me so you can take that phrase and turn into your own somehow, do a bit of tweaking. But if you're, one thing I would I would always say is, and I said this when I was writing blogs for people, if your competitor could put their name at the bottom of that blog article and it made perfect sense, then it's a bad blog article because it hasn't got enough personality and uniqueness to you. And I think that's where we're stumbling around on this is, you need to have that unique content I hate the word unique, but (laughs) content that someone else couldn't lift and copy because you can see, you can be scrolling through and you're reading the content without knowing who it's from and then you think it's from someone and it's from someone else because they're all so similar. Mm. So that's when crafting some messaging that's unique to you, that talks about your particular framework or what are the stuff you can create that no one else can talk about because it's your intellectual property, like a particular philosophy or um, like a categorised, what's her name, Gretchen Rubin. She does the four tendencies. Like she created these four types of people and she, you know, created a huge asset out of it. So maybe you could create four types of people that, struggle with different problems and you can start talking to them that way you'll be the only one talking about it everyone else is talking about stuck but you're talking about the five different types of stuck Mm. you know or whatever it might be just taking it to more depth more insight and therefore more connection because we've all had the oh are you feeling stuck i can help you uh, deal with those blocks Mm. and do you feel like creating really unique and identifiable content requires strong opinions? Not necessarily. It helps, but only if you're naturally a bit contrary. If you're naturally the kind to say, this is a bad idea and, you know, I don't care what anyone thinks, but I'm going to here to tell you that Instagram sucks or whatever. 
I think if it's authentic to you as a person and you like being a bit of a rabble rouser, then go for it. But there's a lot of people who don't want to occupy that space for whatever reason. And I wouldn't want to suggest that they do just to get attention. That's It has to be authentic to you because if you create this persona of someone who just grabs attention and it's not really who you are, then when people start to work with you, they're going to feel a disconnect. So the more that you can show up as yourself, as your genuine self, um, the easier it is. Yes, you can get attention online by being crazy or, you know, offering a different view and you can get a lot of attention that way. But if it's not authentic to you, then it doesn't last. Yeah. And you get, you know, people will come for you. (laughs) Gotta be prepared. Be prepared for it. Some people love the fight, you know, and that's their life, and they do really well. But um, most people don't want to be like that. If no, if I just want to celebrate, you know, like I'm, I'm not like that. I want to sell. I'd talk about a few things. I think, hey, this doesn't work, whatever. But you know, you can do it in a generous way, in a gentle way. You don't have to like hang shit on everyone else or. I also think that it's okay when somebody disagrees with you. I was talking about this a while ago and I'm just like, even if you've got an opinion, even if it's not extreme, yeah. and somebody disagrees with you, it's like, thanks so much for sharing your yeah. point of view. Like it's totally fine. You don't, I think something that uh, some of my audience has said to me is I'm scared that if I say this or if I, especially in the health and wellness space, mm. like people are very opinionated oh, a lot yeah. of the time. And they're like, I feel like if I say what I think and I believe that somebody's going to come for me who mm. has got a different opinion. And I was like, and how is that a problem? Like if they, if they have a go, it's just about how you decide to receive it as well. It's just like, thanks for your opinion. You know, yeah. the great thing is that we can all have different opinions yeah. and, and come at it from different angles. I think with that, you can think, well, am I willing to defend myself if someone has a crap? Yes or it no? It depends if yes. it's personal. Yeah, or like if, if someone says, oh, I don't, you know, what about or something like yeah. that. Or am I willing to be open to new ways of thinking yeah. and go, like I've had people comment on something I've written on LinkedIn, blah, 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 and someone goes, hey, what about this? And go, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I don't think that makes me look silly or it makes me mm. look open. So if, if you're either willing to defend your viewpoint if someone is aggro at you or willing to be open to someone going, hey, you know, have you thought of? And you go, no, actually. That's really great. Like um, I remember someone, I was talking about LinkedIn company pages and saying how they're rubbish. And this girl who was like an expert in LinkedIn company pages was like, hang on a minute, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, you got me. Like she made some points that I wasn't aware of and it was all fine. She defended her view. I defended mine. Yeah. And she taught, yeah, she schooled me. Like she taught me some stuff I didn't know. That's fine. <laughs> I love it. She schooled me. So good. Um, I've got a question for you as well. So when it comes to hitting our audience in the fields and writing content, mm. what's your thought on tips versus thought leadership? Well, um, your thought leadership is about getting people to think in a different way. So maybe opening their eyes. So if you're talking about them not being aware of their problems, then that can be really useful to them. The tip stuff, I mean, I like a lot of tips because people love to follow tips, but they Mm. don't engage with tips. But the problem with tips is that everyone's sharing tips. Yes. So I like to have 
a mix of both. So you're giving people lots of value, but you do need to amplify that and think, I think one of the things people go, oh, this is really important. And then it's the but why question or the so what question. So like, I think a lot of people give the um, why something is important, but not the how. So if your audience is asking that, get reading that and going, this really matters. And then they think your audience is thinking, asking, but how do I do it? Then that's poor content. So that's where the thought leadership could come in to go, this is why it matters and this is how to get started. Like just give people more how and not just the why. So the how is the, is the tips, but the why is the thought leadership. Like, you know, if you're like, if you're afraid to show up, then think of it this way. Think of it as serving your audience rather than putting yourself out there. Yeah. Or block people that you don't want to see you or think of the fact that you have a small audience as an advantage because not many people will see you. As you grow, you'll get better, you'll have a bigger audience and you can see yourself as it's a benefit to have a small audience when you're starting out because that's when you'll be a little bit clunky and things like that. So you can twist the way people think. Mm. But I still think value is good because people do want value and want to follow value and yeah. want free helpful tips. You just can't have that alone. And if everyone's sharing tips like, hey, use these hashtags or whatever it might be, then I think it's always important to think about what the rest of the industry is saying. If everyone's doing tips and tricks, that that can be so ho-hum. But when you tap into the feels, so that brings you back to the why. So you're doing this because you want to achieve your goal. You want to overcome a fear. Mm. So if you're afraid of Instagram reels like I am, you know, you can say to people, like, this is how to get started. Like, you can yeah. take that tip and trick and relate it back to their emotions. Mm. You've got to put the knife in. Like, when I was a copywriter, I'd say, What does like, that mean? Put the knife in. So you want to exaggerate a bit. Like if you don't know what you're doing with Instagram reels and you feel dreadful and every day you get on there and think today I'll do one and then you chicken out and, you know, and you're beating yourself up, you want to make it emotional. So that's what the knife is being put in. Like I feel like you need a different, a different term for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's very graphic. <laughs> Like, why are you doing that to people? Okay. Stabbing, yeah, it's an analogy where you're stabbing your own audience in the back. Yes, possibly Jeez. not the best. No, I might have to come up with a different term. But I love that. I feel got your interest though. <laughs> like, why? Why are you doing that? But I think that that's a good little, like, equation as well is, you know, I want to have this goal. What's your thought leadership around it? Why, like, why does it matter? Or what's your opinion? And then this is how to do it. So you could kind of put those three things mm. together as well mm. to like to to connect with your audience a bit more. Yeah. So a lot of people might say, like, if you do some research, your audience will say, I tried this, but it didn't work. So then you can unpack that a bit. So you tried it and it didn't work. Well, what was it that didn't work? And that's where they have those, they made mistakes they weren't aware of. So you can enlighten them. So you might have five reasons why you're, whatever attempt didn't work you didn't do this you didn't do that you didn't why your reels attempt didn't work it's because you only did it once and then you stopped doing it exactly (laughs) you didn't make it easy and repurpose content (laughs) you did something that wasn't associated with your niche yeah exactly oh you know everyone's doing those um 
like dancing reels and yeah. stuff. That was a few years ago, right? So you know, oh, it's still that. a thing, but you know, I don't think you have to do it. I do feel like just, totally. This is a coaching go, call. Going, this going, is going to a Susan Kate coaching call on how to do reels. <laughs> it's all good for me. Yeah, just on a different. Yeah, I feel like it's becoming more quality focused mm. rather than trend focused. So I feel like we went, we've been through the whole trend thing. And I think that you can still use that, like maybe, you know, 30% of the time, but I feel like now people are really diving into and enjoying the, you know, face to camera, like actually giving great Mm. content, Mm. which, you know, if you do do videos for YouTube or LinkedIn or anywhere else, you can just repurpose it. Because I I think, like, I love following people who give valuable content in Mm. Reels now rather Mm. than just, like, trend stuff. Mm. So, yeah. I just watch cat Reels. That's all I do. I love it. I love it. That's so good. Anything else that we need to do, know, be aware of when it comes to creating a message that hits our audience in the feels? I think just be careful of what you assume about your audience. You assume your audience is feeling one way and they're not. Um, You're talking about a problem that you think they have and that's not their actual problem. That can be very dangerous territory. So you're showing up, you're doing your reels or you're on LinkedIn or whatever, wherever you are, and that message isn't landing. And they'll move on so quickly. Like people's... People are so fickle. Yes. So fickle. Yeah. And particularly in this, you know, we're in this potentially heading into a recession. People are really looking for problem solving. So I think tailoring your message to where people are at now, because things are different now. Even a year ago, you know, like people are really tightening their belts. So you might want to just tap into that and just check where people are at and talk, talk to what's happening at the moment, not just relying on research you did back in 2019 when we all bought courses for $2,000 and didn't do them and it was all no big deal. <laughs> now you may and may tighten your belt a little bit. Yeah. And I just, and I was literally just about to say, that's like you read my mind, uh, is the relevancy. It's like, how can you take some of these, you know, I want to have this goal and what's happening in the market now or what's happening in the economy now or whatever it is and and be really specific with it too mm. so that people are like, yeah, like that's how I feel because that's what's going on right mm. now. And I think you can inspire people. Like the opposite of the knife is like the paint the picture. You can do this. Like you can, this is nicer, yeah. you, can, you can achieve, like imagine what your life is like when you don't have this problem anymore. Yeah. Like that can be really seductive. Yeah. If you can paint that picture for them and get them excited about it, then it's much more likely that they'll take the next step mm. potentially and you can convert them down the track because they're getting excited about life, what life could be like if they didn't have that problem. Yeah, and I call that the carrot and the stick. It's like are you are you with the knife banging me <laughs> or are you got the carrot of imagine yeah. like it's desire based yeah mm. i love that mm. and i think it's important to kind of maybe a little bit little bit of little bit of both mm. and yeah. all of this is about inbound marketing you want to get people in the field so that they're coming to you and that is a lovely place to be in as a business owner to have people coming and saying i like you i follow you I resonate with what you're saying and 
I want to talk to you about how you can help me. That is a lovely place to be in. When I was a copywriter, I would get leads that were like, how much? Who are you? When can you do it? I'm talking to five other people. Why should I pick you? And that is not a nice, wow. uh, someone's offered $1,000. We do it for half. That is not a nice lead. And a lead to, that comes in and says, I love you. I love your writing. Well, uh, can please, here's yeah. some money. That's a nice. So all of this stuff, all of this messaging to get people in the fields is to get them coming to you when they're ready with inbound marketing and attraction marketing. And, and they're warmed up. Yeah. Because they already know what it's like to work with you. They already know how you how you work. You've educated them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we want. We want lovely, kind, cashed up <laughs> leads who are like, I want whatever it is that you have. I love yeah. the messages. How can I work with you? Just to let me know all the ways. That's the <laughs> message that you want. I have lots of money. <laughs> How yeah. can we work together? Exactly. That's my problems. Exactly. Yeah, okay. and then then your challenge is to qualify them so that you're qualifying qualifying and getting the best best potential clients. That's a nice position to be instead of just taking whoever whoever's around, whoever picked you, you get to pick them. Yeah, that's that's super nice. So good, and so Kate, for people who want to send you lovely cashed up messages on how to work together, where can they find you? Well, LinkedIn would be my preference. You can <laughs> find me on Instagram, though I am hopeless, but it's on my goal list, but it always goes last. But LinkedIn, definitely. My name's Kate Merriweather. Search for me on LinkedIn. I have a website too, katemerriweather.com.au. Yeah, and we'll have all your links in the show Thank notes you, as Suze. well. But for those who are walking the dog um, or driving in the car, then <laughs> they can they can quickly pull over. And then they can oh, like find you and message you. Absolutely. Please do. <laughs> Kate, thanks so much for sharing all your tips today. Thanks for having me. We've had fun. Awesome. I loved that chat. Did you like it? Are you going to start using all of those tips that Kate shared? I want to. Goal. That's the first one. The second one is I'm afraid of. And the third one is I don't know how to. So give those a try, maybe tag K when you try them and, uh, and let us know how you go with them. But I think that there's some really useful things that you can use right now in your business. So I hope that you got a lot out of that. Well, that's it for another week. It has been amazing to have you here as always. And remember to follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us every week. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.